This is the Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw. Welcome to another edition, Week 9 of Overreaction Monday. Here on the Slaw Sports Show, you guys know the drill uh, Know the drill by now. If you're new to the show, every Monday uh, we recap what we saw on Sunday's slate of the NFL. Uh, talk about what our main overreactions are. I usually have around six to eight overreactions every week. And then we go ahead and preview Monday Night Football as well, get you set up to go um, for the last game of the week. And then we continue on, um, just personally go into Tuesday with some power rankings up on the website, and then continue through the rest of the week all the way up until next Sunday. We do it all again uh, with some picks in the show on Sunday morning, previewing the Sunday slate, and then wrap it up um, on Monday. So let's go ahead and get started with Overreaction Monday. Got a lot of things to gripe and complain about that I saw this past Sunday um, in the NFL, uh, throughout the games, all around the slate. Um, But just a preface, I was at the Carolina Panthers, um, New England Patriots game. Uh, Check that out yesterday, which was a lot of fun. Um, You know, an overreaction there. Not an overreaction. That game turned out to be an 80-20 split in the stands. By Patriots fans, they took over Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina yesterday. It was a lot of fun uh, to be there for that one. Um, just you know, neutral side um, in that game. No real favorite that I had in that one, but the uh, New England Patriots got the job done. Sam Darnold looked atrocious as always um, in that game. Had three interceptions, but a little bit of a revenge game for uh, Stephon Gilmore, who came away with the interception against Mac Jones and his former team. Uh, so a big game by him just getting that interception. I'm sure that felt good for Stephon Gilmer. Um, but let's go ahead and get into our overreactions um, that we saw on Sunday's slate and you know just all the things that I have uh, to gripe about. And our first overreaction of the day for this overreaction Monday, I got to talk about my Packers uh, because I believe Jordan Love just quite isn't there. I don't think, I just think he isn't ready to be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Jordan Love got his first start on Sunday afternoon against the Kansas City Chiefs, his first start of his career in the regular season, and came away with a loss, 7-13 to against the Kansas City Chiefs. Very much a winnable game at all points of that game, but it didn't happen. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs defense had been atrocious all year long. The Green Bay Packers defense, however, have been great. One of the league's best units on that side of the ball, and they completely stumped. The Kansas City Chiefs held only one touchdown. It was, you know, it was just a mis- uh, a matchup mismatch with Travis Kelsey in the end zone, um, you know, uh, on the goal line, um, and that one is the only touchdown of the game for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. So the defense did their part um, for the Green Bay Packers special teams. They had all their woes that we can get into. Um, you know, a botched punt return by the Packers recovered by the Chiefs. There was um, a missed field goal. There was a blocked field goal. All in all, just not a good performance by the special teams of the Green Bay Packers. But offensively, Jordan Love showed that he is not ready uh, to lead this team 
On the day, he finished 19 for 34 passing for 190, one touchdown and a pick. Touchdown came late in the game, which put the Packers in a situation where um, they could have been right back in that game, but ultimately couldn't get the ball back. Um, in that one, Kansas City Chiefs got a big first down conversion to Tyreek Hill, who you knew was going to get loose and uh, you know get open eventually. That happened on that final drive to give the Chiefs the final blow on that first down conversion. Well, you look at this game overall for the Packers offense, and you take a step back and you try to process what we saw in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs, who, again, have one of the worst, if not the worst, defense in the National Football League. Packers offense were 2-for-12. 2-for-12 on third down conversions yesterday in this game. They had 10 total drives and only came away with 7 points on 10 total drives. And you have to think about it, you know, the team they're playing – the opportunities they got in this game, uh, because mainly in part of their defense, you'd have to think with Aaron Rodgers healthy in this lineup, the Packers win this football game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Matt LaFleur, head coach of the Packers, came out after the game and took a lot of the blame, fell right on the sword of uh, this one, and a big class move by him trying to protect his uh, now second-year quarterback making his first career start, took a lot of the blame as he uh, you respectfully should have in this one um, because Matt LaFleur straight out said that he was not prepared for the pass rush, was not prepared for the blitzes shown by the Kansas City Chiefs in this game. And, you know, the, you know, the blitzes got all over Jordan Love. He never had a clean pocket, was constantly playing under pressure. But at the same time, you, if you're playing a quarterback in his first career start, why are you not prepared for the pass rush? Because personally, if I'm going up against a you know a quarterback making his first career start in a week nine game on the road, I would pass rush the heck out of that quarterback, put him in as much pressure, and you know put him completely in uh, a sense of confusion the entire game, not knowing what is happening because of the pass rush coming at his face time and time again, just straight up be disruptive toward that young quarterback making his first career start. That should have been the game plan they were expecting in this game. And not only that, the Packers couldn't adjust to that pass rush. It was the entire game long. They were getting pressure on Jordan Love. He never got confident that entire game. The entire game looked nowhere near confident, even when he had uh, some sort of clean pocket, made a couple of good throws late in that game. But at that point, it already seemed lost, um, even when the Packers got that touchdown with Alan Lazard late in that game to put it to 7-13 to 13 and not 13-0. to zero. Um, That game still looked lost uh, for the Green Bay Packers. And all in all, takeaway number one, overreaction number one, Jordan Love's not ready to lead this team in Green Bay, uh, which puts a big hole now on their future for this franchise. All the talk all offseason was Jordan Love, Jordan Love, Jordan Love. Get some, get, finally get some playing time in the preseason. And, you know, all the talk with Aaron Rodgers, is he's going to come Is he going to come back? Is he going to hold out this season? Well, the reigning MVP of the league came back and led this team to a 7-1 record going into this game. Now 7-2. Expect to see Rodgers back uh, in week 10 against the Seattle Seahawks. He should be clear to return from COVID-19, uh, you know, from his little quarantining going on um, on Saturday um, at best. So if he returns on Saturday, he should be good to go for Sunday. Now, of course, no week of practice, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he'll come back on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks and lead this team that's now 7-2 and two on the season, still very much in the mix 
uh, for a top seed in the NFC. Still very much locked in that NFC North Conference. And it's a loss against an AFC opponent. Not that big of a worry uh, for Green Bay Packers fans. The only worry here is looking at the future of the Packers and how well Jordan uh, Love played in this game. Because after this game, no one should be confident that you can go with Jordan Love next year with Aaron Rodgers, you know, this potentially being the last ride. Is Rodgers going to be gone at the end of this year? The Packers are going to trade Rodgers to another team. Right now, the way it's playing, it's got to be a blank check for Aaron Rodgers right now if you're the Green Bay Packers. The way Jordan Love just played, the way Aaron Rodgers has been playing, the way this team looks when Rodgers is in the lineup versus when he is not in the lineup. Talk about last week without um, a lot of key contributors in that game against the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday. They still had Rodgers. And they still came out on top, and that's all they needed in that one. Now you flash forward a week, no Rodgers, nothing offensively for the Green Bay Packers, um, especially when they get everything back. You know, Devontae Adams was back in this game. Marquez Valdez-Gamling was back in this game. Uh, still no David Bakhtiari up front, but the line uh, pretty much has been the same unit that Rodgers has rolled with all season long. But two for 12 on third down, seven points on 10 drives. That does not get the job done in the National Football League as a starting quarterback. That's why I think Jordan Love is not ready to take the reins for the Green Bay Packers. Next up is another gripe I've had all week long. Um, this uh, this week in week nine, especially a big storyline has been Odell Beckham Jr., who officially today will go to the waivers and be able to sign uh, with a team going forward, now been released by the Cleveland Browns, who cannot... Uh, her, excuse me, who failed to find a trade partner at the deadline to take on his contract. They reworked that deal to where they're able to release Odell Beckham Jr. And as of today, he is now officially on the waiver wire uh, for other teams to potentially pursue uh, as he falls down the board, going to each team um, on the waiver list. But the thing is, Odell Beckham was the problem. I'm tired of everything I've seen, everything I've read, and everything I've heard throughout the entire week about the Cleveland Browns, about Baker Mayfield, and about Odell Beckham Jr. The Cleveland Browns proved on Sunday that Odell Beckham was the problem in the locker room, the problem for the team, and especially the problem for the offense. 41-16 win against the Cincinnati Bengals, who looked like a top team in the AFC Conference, the top team in the AFC North in their first game without Odell Beckham Jr. You look at these stats. Just look at the win-loss record alone. Don't even look at Baker Mayfield's stats, who have shown to be consistently better in every game without Odell Beckham Jr. in the lineup. But just record alone for the Cleveland Browns. They were 14-15 and 15 with Odell Beckham Jr. in the lineup as a starter for the Browns. 8-4 and four without Odell Beckham Jr. on this team. This team is better without Odell Beckham Jr. This offense is better without OBJ. And Baker Mayfield plays better without OBJ. Baker Mayfield against the Browns was 14 for 21, 218 yards and two touchdowns. And you look at what he did over 10 yard, 10 air yards. Odell Beckham Jr. is supposed to be this guy that stretches the field, supposed to be your deep threat option. Over 10 yards against the Bengals, Baker Mayfield went six for nine for 163 yards. And both of those touchdowns came over 10 air yards in this game against the Bengals. This team is better without Odell Beckham Jr. because Odell Beckham Jr was the problem in, in Cleveland. And I'm tired of hearing that he wasn't the problem because all the stats show this team is better without him. This team has always been better without him. 
and this team will be better without him going forward. Big game by the Browns, big statement win, and a statement performance by Baker Mayfield, who again had all the haters on him, all the spotlight on him in this game, shut everybody up. Because this is what the Browns can look like going forward. Look what they did last season with that Odell Beckham Jr. They can turn it around now this year and try to get their season back on track and you know get their eyes, especially with a 41-16 to win, going back up now to 5-4 and four on the season. They're very much in contention where they can go on a run here now and still get a quality seed going into the playoffs for the second year in a row for, again, the Cleveland Browns. Could potentially make the playoffs for the second year in a row under Baker Mayfield's leadership and with Baker Mayfield at quarterback and without Odell Beckham Jr. on the team. And you look at you know what's going to happen now going into the rest of today and into tomorrow with Baker, uh, excuse me, Odell Beckham Jr. now officially released and open to sign with a new team. Uh, the New Orleans Saints were the first team that I came that came to my mind just because they had interest at the trade deadline, couldn't get anything figured out. Michael Thomas has now been ruled out for the season, and the Saints are still very much in a position where they can still uh, potentially make a wild card spot um, in the playoffs this year. They went down, uh, went down to five and three after a loss this week that we're going to be talking about going uh, throughout the rest of today's episode. But the Saints have an opportunity here where they can potentially pursue Odell Beckham Jr. if they wanted to. New England Patriots, big win like I was talking about earlier against the Carolina Panthers um, at, on the one o'clock slate on Sunday. They still need a you know a wide receiver. No one has impressed so far for the New England Patriots at wide receiver. Nelson Aguilar has been iffy. Kendrick Bourne hasn't been what they expected him to be when they signed him in free agency. Um, I mean, Jacoby Myers, I still believe, hasn't scored his first career touchdown in the National Football League. And Nikhil Harry has been non-existent in this offense. This team needs a wide receiver. Do the New England Patriots pursue him? And, you know, there's still some other names out there you can throw out uh, or other teams, uh, names you could throw out there potentially interested in Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, the Packers have been thrown out there a lot, which as a Packers fan, I definitely do not agree with. Um, you got the Baltimore Ravens could be a big, fit, uh, a, you know, a good fit in that offense with Lamar Jackson. But it seems like Rashad Bateman's heating up every single week that he is in the lineup. He's getting better and better um, in that role. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Los Angeles Rams always in every single, uh, you know, phones are always moving uh, for those two teams. See what happens there. Um, but this is going to be an interesting week uh, to see what happens with Odell Beckham Jr. and what kind of impact he has on the team. In my opinion, what teams you end up going to ruining next is the big storyline for Odell Beckham Jr. Andrew Brandt, former Packers general manager, who has a big presence on Twitter and a great one to follow. Um, talked about why there was a lack of interest at the trade deadline for Odell Beckham Jr. And he flat out said it's because there's more interest in Odell Beckham Jr. from fantasy general managers than NFL general managers. That should tell you all you need to know about this guy. If other general managers aren't that high on him, aren't that willing to go and pursue him to add him to their team, it tells you what kind of impact he has on a team, not just from an offensive standpoint, not just from a performance standpoint, but every other thing that he brings to your locker room um, with Odell Beckham Jr. And the numbers, the stats, it's now going to potentially his third team in four years. That tells a storyline you need to know about Odell Beckham Jr. And second uh, overreaction for overreaction Monday here, Odell was the problem in Cleveland 
And it's a problem that Kevin Stefanski and, and Andrew Barry have now fixed. And they'll be better in the long run going forward with the Cleveland Browns. Next up here on Overreaction Monday, let's talk a little bit about a bye week um, player here in Tom Brady. Because after week nine, I think it's established that this uh, most valuable player award in the National Football League this year is Tom Brady's award to lose at 44 years old. Going into the bye week, actually following the bye week now, so a week off this week in the, during the bye, Tom Brady is still second in the NFL with 2,650 passing yards. He is still first in the NFL with 25 touchdowns and has 331.3 yards per game, which is first in the National Football League after the bye week and has five, only five interceptions on the season. And of course, going into Monday Night Football, I don't think that Justin Fields is going to rival any of those stats, and I don't think Ben Roethlisberger is going to rival any of those stats going into Monday Night Football. So those should stay the same of his rankings this year in the National Football League, passing as a quarterback for Tom Brady. And mainly it's because of what we saw in Week 9 um, for the rest of the players to, uh, potentially in contention to win the national or excuse me, the MVP award in the national football league. You have Josh Allen who played a bad game against the Jacksonville Jaguars of all teams, getting a big upset win against the bills. Josh Allen did not look great in that game. Uh, you know, flat out said he played like crap with, uh, for a lack of a better word in his post game press conference, Kyler Murray was ruled out against the Arizona Cardinals and they dominated the San Francisco 49ers without Kyler Murray in the lineup, that's a tough look um, in terms of how valuable you are to your team and being the most valuable player in the National Football League. If your team can get a dominating 31-17 to win without you in the lineup against a divisional rival, I don't think you're valuable to your team um, and being the most valuable player to your team. Um, and, you know, Come at me if you want to on that one, but that's what that means when you look at it at the end of the day. Um, Matthew Stafford, he had a bad loss, uh, two or three interception game against the Tennessee Titans, uh, and, you know, came away with a touchdown late in that game to make that game look a lot closer than it was, but the Titans, they pretty much blew out the LA Rams on Sunday night football. in that one, uh, one of my only upsets that came right on the, on the Sunday slate. Uh, so happy about that one, uh, picking the Tennessee Titans there and that one, um, next up Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's tried to sneak, uh, squeak back into the MVP conversation after a big win last week against the Arizona Cardinals. Now missed this week, uh, testing positive with COVID-19 and see what he can do coming back and if he can go on a run. But right now, I would say he is out of the race. Derrick Henry, he is now out 8 to 10 weeks uh, with an injured foot. And the Tennessee Titans won without him. Uh, so he is obviously now just injury alone out of the MVP race as well. The only two options really that are in this race now against Tom Brady for the net, for the MVP award this year is Lamar Jackson and a potential return of Justin Herbert are the only chances to steal this award from Tom Brady. And there's still all the, um, you know, back and forth debates with Lamar Jackson. Is he playing well? Is he having a good season? Um, is he being overrated? That's just how Lamar Jackson is. going to keep going back and forth, uh, just his style of play. The guy had 41 pass attempts this week against the Vikings, took him down in overtime, um, a big win by Lamar Jackson, a comeback win, actually, by Lamar Jackson. 
Um, but he, you know, had 41 pass attempts, went over 250 yards again, had three touchdowns uh, through the air, but he had two interceptions. But then he flipped the coin back over, led the team with 21 carries for 120 yards. This guy is extremely valuable for this uh, Baltimore Ravens team who have been hit hard with a lot of injuries throughout the season. And Lamar Jackson's been the one that's, you know, stable this ship off to now a 6-2 and two record. He's very much, I would say, the key guy that can potentially steal this award from Tom Brady right now. And Justin Herbert, I talked about the return of him. He's had some off weeks the last few weeks, but he bounced back and had a big one, um, getting a key close victory over the Philadelphia Eagles to improve to 5-3 and three on the season. Justin Herbert went 32 for 38 for over 350 yards, two touchdowns, and even rushed for one as well. So three total touchdowns over 350 yards by Justin Herbert. Big game by him to get back in this conversation now for the MVP award. Um, but the way the competition has played this week and Tom Brady having the bye, it even it more than boosted his case to win MVP the MVP award this year. Uh, so Tom Brady enjoyed his bye week heavily in this one. Still has all of you know the top stats in the league after his bye week where he can now just come back and just continue to add to those stats this season. So I think right now, at age 44 years old, the MVP award is Tom Brady's to lose after week nine. Next up on our overreaction Monday, let's give some credit to some upsets. Round of applause all around uh, to some of these teams that pulled off upsets this week. Six of the seven teams who are in playoff positions going into week nine lost in week nine. The Denver Broncos had a 30-16 to win over the Dallas Cowboys. At one point, we were leading that game 30-0 to in Jerry's world in Dallas on the road uh, with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott came back this week, and it did not matter in the slightest for this Denver Broncos defense, who were without uh, Von Miller for their first game after trading him to the L.A. Rams last week. The Broncos took it to him. 30-16 to win, a huge upset by the Dallas Cowboys. That was my lock of one of my locks of the week was the Cowboys over the Broncos. That one got squashed early in that game. Um, you know, they just had no answer for the Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater played a great game in that one. But moving on with the upsets, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, we talked about we'll come back to this one. 27 to 25 win over the New Orleans Saints. It's one we'll keep getting into as this episode continues, but a big win by the Atlanta Falcons upsetting the Saints. Without um, uh, Jameis Winston in the lineup as a starting quarterback, they did a little bit of some Trevor Simeon. Wasn't working out with them. They switched over to Taysom Hill. He had a little bit of a spark going for this offense. They switched back to Trevor Simeon. Don't know what's going to happen going forward with the Saints team uh, this season and what they're going to do at quarterback. Uh, But they had an upset loss against the Atlanta Falcons. And then the 5-2 LA Raiders, or excuse me, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, Going against going up against the G-Men, New York Giants. Giants take them down 23 to 16. A big upset in that one in terms of record-wise. Um, you know, Derek Carr had a tough game in this one, threw a pick six. Uh, you know, kind of in the middle of that game. Xavier McKinley uh got a big made a big play. Um, came with some points for the defense for the Giants. Big upset win uh by the G-Men here in this one. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, I guess you can call that an upset potentially record-wise against the 7-1 Packers, um, 13-7. Jacksonville Jaguars was a big one, 9-6 uh, win over the Buffalo Bills. Don't know what happened there. 
by the Buffalo Bills. Definitely one that this week I want to go back and watch and see what happened with Josh Allen and this team. Uh, but a six or a nine to six win over the Buffalo Bills, definitely an upset. Uh, especially when Trevor Lawrence, I believe, came out of the lineup for a little bit, was a little bit banged up, but eventually returned to the lineup um, in that game. But a big upset win there. And then the Tennessee Titans on Sunday night football over the L.A. Rams, uh, 28-16. to Again, that loss uh, looks a little bit better for the Rams thanks to some garbage time uh, points on the board there by Matthew Stafford to Sonny Michelle. Uh, but again, another upset there as well that we saw this week uh, with a playoff position team losing to a team they probably shouldn't have lost to in Week 9. Um, and especially with the Buffalo Bills, I think that's the biggest cause for concern. Last week had a tough start against the Miami Dolphins, barely you know came back and ended up winning that game. Um, and now this week with a loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're in a tough position going forward. Now they got the Jets coming in uh, next week, another team that they should win against. That's what we said the last two weeks, and you know it's hardly been that case for the Buffalo Bills. I think that's the most concerning loss. Uh, that we saw this week. Dallas Cowboys, that's just a tough one. Uh, with Dak back in the lineup, that team should bounce back from that one. Um, Saints, they have their own issues to worry about at quarterback going forward with this team and what they're going to do. Um, there, is it going to be Taysom time, or is it going to? Uh, are they going to continue to stick with Trevor Simeon as the starter going forward? Still think they should have made a uh, trade at the deadline for a potential quarterback. And apparently they inquired about Teddy Bridgewater, who makes sense two years ago was in this system, two years ago sat behind Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Um, but I think I think the Super Bowl MVP, who's currently sitting at the third spot on the bench, should have been the better move. Nick Foles, uh, we talked about that in our overreaction show last week. Uh, but at last, no deal was made at the deadline by the Saints to get a quarterback in. So see what happens there um, going forward. Next up on our overreaction Monday, let's go to Minnesota and talk about Mike Zimmer, who I think is now officially um, on the hot seat. That seat has been getting warm throughout the season. I think it's officially hot after losing this game, blowing a 24-10 lead, blowing a 17-3 lead. So two leads blown. They had it was up to it was 17-3, got up to 24 to 10. Blew it in overtime against the Baltimore Ravens, now falling to 3-5 and five on the season. Uh, tough look for Mike Zimmer. So far this season, all five of the Minnesota Vikings' losses have been lost by a combined 18 points. Close games that the Minnesota Vikings are losing. They've been had multiple trips to overtime this season. And overall, this team is just too talented to be losing these games. They're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Um, uh, last week lost uh, their starting linebacker, which is a huge blow for this team um, and, and a huge blow for Mike Zimmer's defense. Uh, but right now, Mike Zimmer's going to get something figured out. This team is too talented to be 3-5 and five right now in this season. Uh, the play calling just wasn't there in overtime. Uh, and that one had a run play with Dalvin Cook that all of Maryland saw and uh, swallowed that up immediately. And then, you know, had a pass where, they didn't even use Dalvin Cook as an option in the passing game. Ended up getting blitzed on that one. And Kirk Cousins threw it in the traffic and couldn't complete it there late in that game in overtime. And they never saw the ball again um, in that game for the Minnesota Vikings. Something has to give for this team going forward and get back on track. Right now, 
It's a tough start to the season that you know isn't looking good going forward for the Minnesota Vikings. So I think Mike Zimmer and his squad, the way they're playing right now, might be on the hot seat uh, for head coach Mike Zimmer going forward. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and proclaim it. Hot seat for Mike Zimmer right now as a head coach in Minnesota if this continues throughout the rest of the season from what we saw from what we've seen um, so far. Overall, this team just shouldn't be where they're at uh, in this position, shouldn't be getting to these spots late in games where potentially they can end up losing them. Every game, it seems like, is a close game with the Minnesota Vikings that is falling more than likely on one side than the other right now this season. Next up on this overreaction Monday, I promise I'll get back to them. Now let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons, who had a big win that we just discussed, a big upset win over the New Orleans Saints. And now the Falcons might be salvaging their season, getting back up to 500 on the season this year, 4-4 four and four record um, after not, um, eight games, after nine weeks of the season. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons are digging their way back up out of this um, in the NFL this year. And now have put themselves in the final playoff spot. If the season ended today in the NFC Conference, the Falcons would be a playoff team at 4-4. Four and four. Uh, But a big win over the Saints. Matt Ryan topped 300 yards and three scores in this one. Looked great uh, without Calvin Ridley, who's currently um, away from the team. They technically, I think, put him on the IR right now, dealing with some mental health concerns um, he has going on which kudos to the league right now, treating uh, mental health as physical health right now. And when team or players have some mental health issues, they treat them as physical in, uh, injuries as they should be, which is a great move by the National Football League this year and a great look um, for the league as a whole, um, making sure they take care of their players no matter what, ha- what happens or when it happens. Um, so hope Calvin really gets everything figured out and gets back um, – in, in, the, in, the, in the swing of things um, and back with this team going forward with the Atlanta Falcons. But as of now, Matt Ryan got it done this week um, without his top weapon in the offense. Russell Gage had a big game. Uh, Cordell Patterson had a huge game again for the Atlanta Falcons. It seems like that Arthur Smith has been the key to unlocking Cordell Patterson in this offense and reviving his career when no other offensive coordinator no other head coach, no other offensive scheme has ever been able to do so before with Cordell Patterson. Arthur Smith and the Falcons are figuring it out. But the big thing for the Falcons this year has been Youngway Koo, who is now 14 for 15 on field goals this season, has hit, I believe, three game winners this year, hit another one um, this week against the New Orleans Saints that ended up winning that game for him. Youngway Koo has been a monster. He has been efficient. He has been effective. And he has been a game changer for the Atlanta Falcons. They know that all they have to do offensively is just put themselves within his range, and he will go out there and get the job done to give them the win. Uh, you talk about um, a big game that comes to my mind is that game against the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think three, two or three weeks ago, um, when uh, Tua Tagovailoa drove the team, got a um, you know a go-ahead touchdown in that one over. The Atlanta Falcons, the Falcons turned right back around, marched down the field calmly, got in the coup range, coup hit the game-winning field goal. They go home with a win. Uh, so now 4-4, four and four, 500 on the season for the Atlanta Falcons. I think they are salvaging their season. Slowly but surely, they're getting right back into the swing of things with this team. Uh, defensively, 
improvement. Uh, starting to improve uh, just ever so slightly, but improvement is improvement. Um, had a big game um, this week against the New Orleans Saints um, in terms of what they did um, just in the passing game, uh, pass defense. Uh, they looked great. They held the Saints um, to only uh, 109 yards on the ground with both um, Alvin Kamara and I believe Mark Ingram. Um, in this one, so the Falcons ever so slowly are finding a way here now uh, to try to turn this thing around and salvage this season. Uh, so give credit where credit is due. The season ended today. Arthur Smith and his new squad in the Atl- in Atlanta uh, with the Falcons, they would be a playoff team right now, getting that last spot and getting that last seed in the NFC Conference. And again, like I said, just give credit where credit is due for the Atlanta Falcons for trying to salvage this season. Big win this week. See if things can continue for this team um, and Arthur Smith squad going forward. So last up on the overreaction Monday, something I have to talk about and something that I have to fix and get right. The Arizona Cardinals. They silenced the haters this week. They silenced me this week. I dropped them after the, on the power rankings uh, this past week. Heavily after losing uh, to the Green Bay Packers, I think dropped them down two spots. I believe it only was at the end, but I was planning to drop them even lower on the power rankings after losing to the Packers on Thursday. But they shut me up, and they shut the rest of the haters up, uh, so we have to talk about it. We talked about it a little bit earlier, big 31-17 win against the San Francisco 49ers, but they won that game without Kyler Murray at quarterback and without DeAndre Hopkins at wide receiver, both late scratches. Uh, it came in toward you know noon afternoon time uh, you know just game time pre kickoff decisions both of those players were ruled out but it didn't matter um, in that game no Kyler Murray no D Hop no problem for the Arizona Cardinals against the San Francisco 49ers who have now dominated time and time again the San Francisco 49ers James Conner had a big game 173 total yards three total touchdowns. On the day for James Conner at running back, he's really found himself um, a new life with the Arizona Cardinals this year. And Colt McCoy at quarterback turned back the time a little bit, went 22 for 26 for 249. And that one touchdown passing that went to James Conner in this one defense had a big game um, against Jimmy Garoppolo, who looked fine, I would say, during the bulk of that game. But when it all mattered, and it all came down to it at the end um, on that final drive. Even though, I mean, the game didn't come down to it, but morale came down to it on that final drive. Jimmy Garoppolo threw the interception. Now the San Francisco 49ers are falling to 3-5 and five on the season. And do, do we start talking about it? Do we start talking about a potential change? Now that Trey Lance is healthy, we did not see him at all, I believe, in this game for the um San Francisco 49ers but he was there. He's on the sideline, he was in uniform, went through progressions and warm-ups uh for the 49ers. Is it time for Trey Lance? Um that's not going to be an overreaction instead I want to give credit um to the other side because the Arizona Cardinals silenced the haters this week. Um uh, that were all after them after their only loss of the season now jumping to 8 and 1 on the season a big bounce back performance by the Cardinals to show that they're still one of the best teams in football and have the argument to being the best team 
in football despite their one loss. Played great in this one, 437 total yards of offense. Defense played great against the Niners as well, um, getting three turnovers, two fumbles, and one pick in that game. Big win by the Arizona Cardinals, which will wrap up our overreaction Monday. Before we get out of here, we do have to preview Sunday Night Football uh, since we're going to be getting this episode out a little bit earlier than usual. Um, so hopefully you guys check it out prior to kickoff tonight. Uh, we have the um, Chicago Bears traveling to uh, Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Matt Nagy back in the lineup as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Missed last week after testing positive with COVID-19. And we talked about on our overreaction Monday, Justin Fields played his best game of the season when he was without Matt Nagy as his head coach. What happens now with Nagy back calling the plays, calling the shots on the sideline for Justin Fields and this Bears offense? David Montgomery, potential return um, tonight on Monday Night Football for this Bears offense. That running back could be a big addition to have back in the lineup. The Pittsburgh Steelers turned their season around um, after it looked like they were going to be dead to rights. Now 4-3 and three on the season, rallied off some big wins as of late. Ben Roethlisberger looked better. Looked more clean the last few games, which is the big thing for him. And Najee Harris relying on him heavily as the focal point of this offense, as he should be going forward this season. We'll see what happens tonight. Two main defensive battles that I'm excited for in this game with two strong defenses in the National Football League. Bears and Steelers going head-to-head. I don't think this is going to be an offensive affair. I'm predicting a low-scoring game, so bet the under on this one, whatever it could be um, in this game. is the only thing I really have to say. It could go either way, the way these defenses have played this year. Excited for uh, excited for football. Don't know if I'm excited for this one per se, uh, but excited for football. We'll see what happens uh, tonight on Monday Night Football. Uh, but Bears and Steelers to wrap up Week 9. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Saw Sports Show. Hope you enjoyed another overreaction Monday. We're going to try to return next week and do another Sunday show. We have, you know, had a little bit of a spur of the moment um, where an opportunity came up, and I got to go to the Panthers game on Sunday, so that's why there was no show uh, yesterday morning. Uh, but still threw out some picks out there on Twitter. Um, we only hit one of the four we threw out there. Uh, both locks ended up losing, which were the two big upsets of the week. Um, our upset of the week, we had two of them, was the Vikings over the Ravens. That one, a crushing loss in overtime uh, for my pick. And the other one, Titans over Rams. Uh, so one and four uh, this week on my picks in week nine. Hope to improve on that um, a little bit in week 10 as we go um, and potentially have a show again on Sunday. But nevertheless, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Sauce Sports Show. And until next time, peace.